International. Everybody, thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Listening Room. Uh, thanks for sticking with us, people interested in stories of the human experience. Oh, we got a couple uh, really good Austin comedians who are sharing stories on this episode. Uh, this episode is hosted by the new co-host, Melody Shiflet. Uh, Mitch McColsha shares a great story. Brett Vervoort also shares one. And who else we got in this mix? There's Holly Kumo and Chris Hills. Uh, very great storytellers, also very funny comedians. If you enjoy their story, look them up. Uh, if you live in Austin, seek them around town or search up their material online. Thank you guys again for tuning in. Enjoy the show. And as always, stay cool out there. Peace, peace. Bye bye. to the listening room. How are you? I'm having a lovely April so far. Yeah. Wonderful Friday the 13th. It's a very exciting time. Those of you who have never been to the listening room, um, listening room is just stories. Just straight up stories. Uh, some of them can be sad. Uh, a lot of them are wacky, you know? Anything you can imagine that someone could go through they've been through it and uh, it's I always have a great time and you always leave with a little piece of wisdom um, I I'm gonna tell you a little story up top about uh, one of my first jobs as a 19 year old I worked as a waitress at a strip club yeah um, thank you yeah uh, on the lunch shift oh. <laughs> I had no idea what I was getting into. I just needed a job, and I didn't have any experience, and they were like, that's perfect. Just come here at 10.30, and I was like, okay, like, how hard could it be? Like, I see myself naked all the time. You know, what's the big deal? Like, I'm a millennial. I have the internet. I can see titties whenever I want, you know? I'm pretty used to them at this point. Um, so, yeah, we all have bodies underneath our things, and why not? Uh, legs and eggs, what have you. I was very surprised by how busy it was. It's busy. Did you know? I mean, people are, like, like on their lunch break before they go back to the office, squeezing in a lap dance, and then heading back. There were also a lot of construction workers that gamble. And that, that was really cool. I always felt really happy for them. Um, yeah, it was an interesting time. I, didn't, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I messed up so many things, like I was throwing away other waitresses' food. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, they didn't like that. And um, then, you know, just kind of ambling, not really moving around. Uh, I wasn't very flirty. Um, I didn't really know how to perform the role. Like I was wearing mismatched gym socks to work and like motorcycle boots. And finally this girl pulled me aside and was like, 
Melody, you have to get your shit together. Like, I was like, at a strip club? Like, <laughs> she was like, yeah, if you want to make any money at this, which you can, just, just tighten up. Like, wear cute stuff. Like, laugh at their jokes, you know? Like, just be nice to people. <laughs> and like, quit, you look like you got dressed in your little brother's closet. And I was like, well, <laughs> I mean, he did give me quite a few uh, clothes and socks, but you know, I thought it was maybe like a little sexy, no? Okay. Um, basically a gym outfit. And she made me feel bad because she let me know that um, all of the other waitresses hated me. And um, because I was throwing away their food and <laughs> I was dressed like a little boy. Um, so I think they just didn't appreciate me in general. Um, so I felt really bad after that. But then I went in the bathroom and I heard her doing coke and it was like 11 a.m. So I was like, well, you know, maybe I'm not great at this job, but I'm good at other things like not doing coke during the day <laughs> while the sun is up. Um, one of my favorite dancers, though, uh, she, she had just had a baby and uh, she would figure out ways to like get off stage quickly as soon as she started lactating. Like you could catch it before the other clients did. She would all of a sudden be like, oh! <laughs> Um, and I would always chase after her, like, oh, you know. <laughs> uh, just as a little show, I mean, the, the extra tips, you know. Um, it was it was a good time. There was a, there was one time when the cops came in and these two guys ran in opposite directions, but it turns out they weren't even after those guys. There was a stripper in the back who had a felony. She she actually escaped. Good for her. She had stabbed somebody, I guess. Which it was another stripper, um, and the other stripper was had both. I think it was a civil case and a criminal case, one for the stabbing and one for the fake titty that she damaged. She also had to replace that. She's out there with a deflated titty, like, you fucking bitch. Um, and one day, you know, I'm working my lunch shift. I'm kind of getting in the groove at this point, you know? Like, I was like, all right, I'll change my socks, whatever. <laughs> like, I'll just be a little nicer. Um, I'll move around a little faster, make some more money. And uh, we were setting up. And I got to say, you know, let, let's just talk conventions. Uh, the daytime strippers are not as great um, as the nighttime strippers. Let's just put that out there. We know that, you know? Um, and one of these days, I saw my childhood friend come in, Diana. Um, and Diana had actually, I ran into her when I was 15, so maybe like five years before that, and she had had a baby. And she was like excited about it. And I was like, mm, okay, well, we've gone down different roads. <laughs> uh, very happy for you, Diana. She was like eating a lollipop. It was very bizarre. Um, she was like, hey, it'd be fun to have a baby. I'm like, you are a baby. Um, so that's weird. Of course, you'd want to hang out with another baby. Well, anyway, I see her and I'm like, well, I'm going to see my childhood friend naked today, I guess. Uh, so get ready, you know. We're going to 
get to know Diana a little bit more today than, <laughs> than I had ever bargained for. Um, and then she went back in the manager's office, came back out with her duffel bag and left. And she was storming off. And I was like, oh my God. Diana didn't get to work the lunch shift. Do you know how bad you have to be to not work the lunch shift? And then I thought about Diana when I knew her in middle school. And she was always like breathing through her mouth and squinting and like hunching over. And I all of a sudden got this vision of like her dancing like that. Like I don't imagine she's changed a whole lot, you know? That's probably why you're not allowed to work the lunch shift, Diana. I don't know, become a phlebotomist, you know? Like just find your strength or something. Um, anyway, uh, that made, you know, the bar really low for jobs, honestly. I was just like, well, you know, as long as I don't, as long as I can wear these boy socks, and uh, just be myself. I think a lot of jobs are a lot better than that. <laughs> and that's it. Boom. Um, that, was my, that was my strip club story. Are you guys ready for your first storyteller? Yeah. Yeah? She just went through in the Funniest Person in Austin contest in the preliminaries. Please welcome Brett Marie Verivort. Hey guys, Sto uh, storytelling show, new for me. I'm used to like quick zingers, but let's build out a theme, you know? Uh, so before I tell this story, I think it is important to establish that the abused will always kick downwards, okay? The rich will take it out on the middle class executives, the middle class executives will take it out on the poor, the poor will take it out on their own kids, okay? And the kids will take it out on the homeschooled kid, okay? And the homeschooled kid will take it out on his imaginary friends and <laughs> chaos. Okay, becomes order, and the status, as the kids say, is quo, okay? And I say all that because it's important for you to know why my dad kicked me out of the house on Father's Day and why it's not my fault, <laughs> okay? So, Houston, Texas, interior, day, okay? I'm sitting on my little brother's bed, you know, writing an email to a pen pal. Uh, I did not know who this pen pal was. It was that usual 18-year-old girl exchange, uh, social intimacy for sexual favors. You know what I mean? You guys have had pen pals, right? Okay. So in storms my dad, red in the face, and he slams the computer down on my hands, and I leave them there, okay? for a second and I stared dead-eyed back at him, okay? I had read somewhere that this was called a power move. <laughs> you have to leave, dead-eyed. What? Okay? You have to go, okay? I don't care what you do or where you stay, but I'm going back to the office and when I come back, you better have a plan. Okay, that's what he said. Then he turned on his heel and he left. All right. If he had, if there was like a clap of thunder behind him and like a swish of a cape, it would have been like a horror book villain. Okay, it was that dramatic. All right. And then 
So I sighed and withdrew my fingertips from the laptop, closed it, and started packing up my stuff. Okay, it turns out I didn't need the full hour. It only took me about 20 minutes. Because uh, I'd been living on the couch for a few months at that point, and pretty much all my stuff was existing in the hall closet, and it ended up only filling about two small, uh, like, HEB bags. And I don't want to be vain or presumptuous, but when you're packing up all your worldly possessions, you figure it'll take longer. <laughs> Like, you th you'd like to think you needed the full hour, but I didn't. I only needed 20 minutes. Uh, and I'm going to go off on a tangent for a second. So once I had gone to see a movie with my dad, and he, in an effort to save a few dollars, decided to park across the street. Uh, there was, like, a strip mall right next to the the movie theater, and so he parked at the back of it because he didn't want to pay for the garage fees, right? Clever. <laughs> and so I don't remember what movie we saw, but when, he, when we came back out, the car was gone, okay? It was missing. And then he was like looking around, freaking out, and then in the corner of that wall, there was just a sign that said, towing enforced. <laughs> Okay, my dad ripped that sign off the wall with his bare hands and threw it in the dumpster. <laughs> he was so mad. Uh, and so he ended up having to pay not only like, he had ended up having to pay like a few hundred bucks not only to get his car back, but they had found out that he had ripped the sign off the wall and he had to pay to replace the sign. Okay, and I say that because I really identified with that sign <laughs> at that moment <laughs> in time. Uh, it's interesting though, so I'm packing up my stuff. I call my mom. Um, my mom's waiting outside in a Prius. You know, you don't hear her because Priuses are very silent cars. <laughs> it's a real gangster move. She just sat out there waiting. No noise. Shh. You know, and my dad comes back in with uh, my stepmom Priscilla, uh, and he's like crying and very emotional. And he's like, "Oh my God, Brett, I'm so sorry." He's like, "I didn't mean to do that. Priscilla and I are having a lot of fights right now. And I was just taking out on you, and you don't deserve this." Blah 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 blah. blah. That was very zen-like. Was very calm. It's like, "All right, Dad, Mom's waiting in the car." <laughs> you know. Uh, it is uh, Father's Day, so I think you should know that you are not getting that mug that I got for you. And he, and he was like, don't, don't make jokes about this, Brett. I'm, I'm serious. I'm sorry. You know. And uh, this whole time, Priscilla is standing next to him. She's quiet. Uh, she, my stepmom, she's only nine years older than me. Uh, she was very young when uh, she and my dad got married. And I only say that because men don't understand power dynamics amongst women. And we didn't have, me and Priscilla didn't have a lot of beef, uh, but like she used to get mad at me for eating her cut up melon in the fridge. And she would count the melons and then be like, Brett, there's a melon piece missing. Have you eaten my melon? And so men don't understand how the power relationships work with women and how closely they relate to melon ratios in the fridge. <laughs> It's very tight, tight symbiotic relationship. And she's sitting there quiet through all this, and I'm just like, Dad, I, I'm going to go. 
because this sucks. <laughs> like, I don't want to live on the couch and live out of the hall closet and keep fighting with you and then just like for one day on a whim you decide to kick me out of the house again? No, that sucks. I was like, Dad, at this point I feel like I'm like a rock in a stream and like all my edges are worn away and I'm just, I'm so numb <laughs> to just everything. And so it was interesting going from being kicked out of the house to actually choosing to leave the house and just like moving in with my mother, which, you know, if I ever come back to the show, that's a whole other can of worms. <laughs> but th to wrap it up, kind of, I just think, yeah, the abused will always kick downwards and people will throw a lot of crazy stuff at you, but you just gotta know it's not your fault. All right? It's not your fault you ate that melon piece, okay? It's not your fault that they have marital problems caused by a huge age discrepancy. You know? It's not your fault that your dad dates women that he also tries to raise, you know? That's not you, okay? You're just living your best life. And also, sometimes it takes being the bigger person than your parents and being like, I love you, but I gotta walk away. And you take that mug and you drink it up and you say, yes, best dad ever, myself. <laughs> okay, thank you guys. <laughs>
just me, Dad? He was like, yeah. My sister was mad as fuck. They was like, come on, Dad. Chris don't even pass in his class. He got D's this year. Like, come on. I passing with an A in history class. Can I please? My dad was like, no. This is a son and father moment. Because most black kids don't never have to see their daddies. All right, I'm stupid. He didn't say that part. Uh, <laughs> I didn't get to the good part. So we were supposed to actually have like the like being in the inauguration, like in the front part of the inauguration. We, had, we were supposed to get tickets. He knew some people that had tickets, and I was hyped as fuck because I was like, "Yeah, ain't nobody about to do this. I'm the only one that's out here in my whole school that's gonna be able to be right there in front of Obama, right there." You know. But two days later, find out that the leg didn't come through, and I was mad as fuck. I was in the, we was we was in the we was in the metro, we was in the fucking metro driving, and I was crying. I was like, damn, this is bullshit. And you know who? My dad was trying to calm me down. He was like, yo, you embarrassing me, stop. And then like, my, my dad's friend, his best friend since like elementary school was trying to calm me down. Like, hey, yo, son, it's not that big of a deal. Like, if you, we still gonna go to the, we gonna be at the mall, we gonna be there. I'm like, I just wanna be, I wanna be closer, you know? And I called up one of my friends and I was mad. And I was like, yo, man, my dude, they didn't come through with the tickets, man. And it was crazy, his name was Ben. I remember him, he was a Republican. He didn't, his family, yeah, yeah, he was a Republican. I was friends with a Republican during the time Obama was in office. His family did not vote for Obama. Like, I called him up and I was like, I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna be there. And this is why I have some respect for most Republicans, because he came, he told, he brought it to the real T. He brought it, he was real with it. He said, hey, but for real though, like, you don't have to worry about that. He was white, he didn't say it like I did. But he was like, for real though. <laughs> Look, but if you think about it, nobody else in our school is gonna be at the inauguration, just you. Like, that makes, a, that makes you Four times more closer than everybody else. Why are you that upset? I wish I was at the inauguration and then my family's a Republican. And I was like, you know what? You right. And don't forget, over I won. And I hung up the phone. <laughs> and <laughs> I hung up the phone. And that's why we gotta we can't be mad at all Republicans and treat them like shit because they're cool, you know? Some of them are cool. Back in 2008. <laughs> their Republican was a whole lot different than today's Republican, you know what I'm saying? That fuck up was like scandal and then if they was racist about it, it was a scandal. They just racist all the time now. They done lost their fucking mind. Anyways. Anyways, so I remember like during the inauguration or whatever, they were, they was in 2008, it was a lot 
of like local vendors like selling t-shirts selling all the cool t-shirts and whatnot it was pretty dope and I remember there was this one vendor who had a chocolate bar who had who was selling chocolate bars talk about first chocolate president guys come on and get our first chocolate president I swear I, I'm not making this up this is like they, somebody was out there it was a white woman too that made it worse and I was like yo that's not cool that shit is not cool there was a lot of fucked up shit. Those, you know how Trump supporters was like, hey, nobody was mad when Obama got him out. Bullshit. I was there. There was niggas out there talking about he was the antichrist and people in the devil was putting his penis in people's ears. That's what he said. That's what he said. I'm not making this up. All we did was be mad because he said some racist shit. But they talk about the devil putting this penis in people's nose crack or whatever. And we out here talking about he's just a nigga. He's just a brother. He didn't do nothing. Anyways. They said he was Muslim. I ain't going to get into that. Anyways. He had a preacher. Y'all remember that preacher scandal? Y'all, 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 uh, we in Austin. I don't know why I'm yelling at y'all. <laughs> Anyways, I gotta get to the good part. I didn't even get to the good part. So we're at the inauguration, in the beginning of it. Like, so we in, we get to the mall, and like the mall started off with like maybe 500 people. Maybe, I'm not even like a, like positive. It was like, we was there early. It was like 500 people there. And like, niggas was like getting comfortable and shit. They had their little picnic, picnic uh, fucking blankets and shit on the floor. They laying down, chilling. And then that million came and their whole little world started to like get small. And they was like, oh shit, wait a minute. Oh wait, we gotta get up? Oh damn, this is some bullshit. Like they thought they was about to lounge. And um, cut to the ceremony starting, and George Washington, I mean George Washington, George Bush, they, they, we was at the third, like, the camp, the TV or whatever, and they had, a, they showed George Bush, like, just sitting there, right? And millions of people were singing, na, 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 hey, 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 goodbye. Oh, that was so beautiful. Oh my God, it was so beautiful. Uh, it was, and everybody was like, there was some harmony in it to it. I was like, yo, they, we practiced it. No, this is improv. God damn. Uh, so um, Obama, Obama, he goes up there, he does his thing, and uh, we we get done. We get done, and we didn't even leave. We leave. We leave the inauguration before like the benediction. Like once he got in, he was like, "All right, fuck it, we out." Like we didn't even stay for the benediction. It was like, "Did y'all hear the benediction?" That dude says funny, funny shit. He was like, "Nah, we was already out by then. Nobody cared. Nobody cared." So we was walking, and there was a lot of police officers there. And you know, naturally, as a young black kid, even at even at that time, I was like, "Oh shit, police officers! All these police officers here. That's a bunch of us." There's a bunch of black people out here, and I'm just looking, and I'm walking with my dad, and I look at the line of police officers, and then I turn my head, and my dad is, my dad and his friend is gone. <laughs> I'm like, oh shit. Keep in mind, I'm about 15. I don't know, I don't remember how old I was. 
I gotta do the math. But it was, it was, it was, I was, I was young, and I was like, oh shit. And I didn't have my phone on me at the time. I left it in the car. And so I was like, yo, what, what am I gonna do? Luckily, my dad had his phone, this phone number since 2001, so I remembered it. But I was like, damn, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. So I'm literally trying to point out my dad in a crowd full of like fucking 100,000 people who had also has the same orange hat that my dad was wearing. There were so many orange hats. I was like walking up to him and I was like, you my daddy? And they was like, oh hell no. Nah. And then he just went up. I was like. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was funny to me. Uh, can you imagine like little 15 year old kid talking about you my daddy? He's like, oh shit, nah, man. I told I put a condom on, man, I swear to God. <laughs> Supposed to have a good time at the Bible's inauguration. I'm trying to be a father now. I can't do this shit. But no, I was looking for my dad and um I couldn't find him and I go to the one thing I could I couldn't I, the one person, the one type of person I had to go to, the police officer. He didn't shoot me, guys. But he did. There was also three other people, or two other people that was also lost to an old lady and a young kid that looked just like me. So I called up. I said, can I use your phone? He's like, yeah, yeah, you can use my phone. I called up my dad. I'm like, daddy, where you at? He's like, Boy, I'm like right down the street over here. I see your ass. I'm about to come and get you. I said, okay. Because back, my dad, you know, most parents be like relieved to see their son after they done lost them. But my dad's like, I bet you won't look around no more. This time, won't you? Come on, put your ass on over here. <laughs> he didn't take me to the second inauguration. <laughs> It was a good time though, I had a good time. I seen things, I heard some things. And just to, just to remind y'all, like, time passes, man. And we went through some shit with Obama too. You know, Obama didn't, we was, we was hoping the first black president would legalize marijuana, but it didn't. And we're hoping that Trump would do it too, but he's killing us. And we gotta realize, y'all, None of that shit matters. Just live your life. Do what you gotta do. And when you're in a crowd full of millions of people, make sure to keep your eyes on your parents at all times. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Oh man, I I wish I had been a fly on the wall. Uh, just, uh, do you think anyone was at Trump inauguration? Yeah. Anyone? <laughs> it didn't look like it. Well, I mean, did you see that picture? It was pretty, pretty sad. <laughs> do you think the people that were there knew that they were at the inauguration? I guess that's a real question. <laughs> huh? Is it what? <laughs> it was Dave the 
<laughs> um, all right, guys. Are you guys ready for your next performer, your next storyteller? Yeah, are you excited? She has a skincare podcast where she hangs out with other funny people and they pull the impurities out of their skin. And it's called Poor People. Um, you can check it out on YouTube and give it up for Holly Cuomo. What's up? Um, so the, I'm going to tell a story about when, about seven years ago. I was like 23, and it was just this wild ass day that I had. Um, I've always been like a boring person. Like I'll knit and listen to audiobooks. Like I'm just like a really boring person. Um, but for some reason, when I was like in my early 20s, I was like, let me join a roller derby team. Um, but I was this fat, so like I didn't, I got injured a lot. I was just really lazy, I didn't want to do anything. But one day, um, there was a girl and she was having a birthday party. So that is the end goal of the day. I'm going to this birthday party at night. So when I get up in the morning and I dress, I dress once and I go through the whole day looking like that. Like I went to work at six o'clock this morning wearing this and I'm still wearing this. So I, I'm going to this birthday party. I've got this like really cute outfit on. My titties are out. They look amazing. I have this cute skirt on. Like I'm, I already look like I'm going to a party and it's like 11 o'clock in the morning. So I go to roller derby practice and I go with my whore friend Liz. And now I say, I call her my whore friend Liz and I say it out of love, mostly out of jealousy. She got so much dick and I don't know how she did it. Like the night before we went to another party and she went with a dude, blew another dude and then went home with that first dude. Like she's amazing. She's a lumberjack also. She climbed, she did, what's the biggest, like the longest hike in America? Like the Appalachian Trail or whatever the fuck? Mm -hmm. She did that. Like this girl's crazy as fuck. And so she was my best friend at the time. So I pick her up from guy A's house to go to practice. She's not even wearing her clothes. And I'm just like, oh God, my whore friend Liz. So we go to practice. I look cute. And I'm talking to this guy and I'm trying to get him to give my roller derby team money. So naturally I'm gonna put my titties in his face. And this one girl, she's the other fat girl on the team. Okay, so I don't know if you guys know about this, but fat girls are really competitive with each other. <laughs> like, fat girls don't normally hang out with other fat girls because there can only be one. We're like fucking Highlanders. So I, I thought we'd be cool. I was like, oh, you're another fat girl. We can like bond over pork chops. No, she hated me because I would get cute guys because I'm funny or whatever. And she just like smelled like a Frito pie all the time. Like she was disgusting. <laughs> so I'm talking to this guy, trying to get him to give me money. She skates over out of nowhere. She just bongos my titties and then like flutters away. And I just looked at the guy, I'm like, I'm so sorry, I don't know what the fuck just happened. Um, but anyway, I hate her. So I'm already pissed off from fat girl Sarah bongoing my titties in front of like a prospective like investor. 
So Liz, my horror friend Liz knows that I'm upset. So a couple miles down the road is a porn store. She was like, you need to be cheered up because you're single as hell. I was like, okay. Now, at this time, I live in Mississippi. So this porn store is an old gutted plantation house. Oh. Yeah. So like there are little side houses that are jack off movie rooms and like the main plantation house it is literally gutted. Like there are no rooms. It's just like a huge open space, but the outside looks so pretty in antebellum like the 1800s. It's so fucked up. And we go in there and the whole bottom floor is just like a normal porn store. Like there's a dildo section and a strap-on section and like a pocket pussy section and a register in the middle. And so you have to get like ID'd and shit to get in there. And then the whole top area, like the whole top floor is nothing but movies. Like if adult Richie Rich's house, basically, like just the whole top floor is just porns. And there are titles like Clash of the Tie Teens and I want to butt fuck your grandma, like shit like that. Those are real titles. Uh, I recommend you don't look at the back of those porns. Because uh, you won't read it, you'll just see a really good image of what is in that movie. I saw a lot of old man dick. Anyway, so just like, just this like mansion of debauchery. So I pick a, I pick a vibrator because you know. So I get, I get my thing and my friend is like, I gotta go to the bathroom. I was like, cool, porn store, perfect place to do that. So she goes up to the register and gets a key to the bathroom because uh, they lock the doors because people are disgusting. And her, the women's restroom key is attached to a, just a giant dick. <laughs> and it was like the fleshy rubbery kind where if you like rolled it in lint rolled it in lint the lint would stick to it like it was just really really gross so she goes to the bathroom with this giant dick and a key and she just takes a really 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 long time so I'm just like okay well I'm gonna like I'm gonna just take my vibrator to the car and just keep it in its bag not do anything weird about 10 minutes later, she finally comes back to the car. She's like, oh, cool. She's like, just really chill. She's like, can I see what you got? And it doesn't look like there's anything wrong. Like, she's, she's just really, really calm, and I'm just, like, suspicious. And she's like, oh, cool, neat, black dildo, awesome. Okay, so she calls her boyfriend, which is neither guy A nor guy B from the night before, I know, she's like amazing. So she's like, hey, hey boyfriend, uh, I just flooded this porn store bathroom. And I was like, what the fuck? Apparently she took the biggest shit of her life and like flooded the whole bathroom and was like mopping up shit water like the whole time. Yeah, so that was amazing. And I was like, now you're in my car with your shit water hands, cool. <laughs> So, 
we go to our friend's house, and our friend is a, I don't know what the official title is, but she's basically an ecologist that specializes in mushrooms. So guess what we did? <laughs> we just did mushrooms. So we found a sober person to be our babysitter for the night. And I do mushrooms for the very first time. Actually, it's the only time I've ever done mushrooms. And I watched a clock for an hour. <laughs> and I like became one with time. I started calling everything gay. And uh, my friend was kissing her husband. I was like, you guys are so gay. And they're like a straight couple. And I was like, those trees want to eat me. It's fucking gay. Like, I just became the rudest person ever. And I could not stop because I thought it was hilarious. I was like, the earth is purple. It's so fucking gay. Like, I just became a monster. So I, I was now like a time priestess. And I was just insulting everything. And then we go to that birthday party. So on the way there, it's like 30, it was like a 30 minute drive down a highway. <clears throat> and we passed by a school bus at night. I don't know if you noticed that school buses have like reflectors on the side. I was like, yo, Liz, we're in fucking Tron. This is fucking dope. <laughs> and gay. Like I was just, I was just out of my goddamn mind. Also I was like trying to smoke a cigarette with like two different hands. Like I, <laughs> Ugh. And you know how like when you smoke a cigarette on the opposite side of a car from someone else smoking a cigarette, there's like this wind thing? I made the driver, who's also smoking, hold my lit cigarette because I was just waiting for him to put his out. I was, I was out of my goddamn mind. So then we go to this party and then they leave me alone, like all by myself while I'm tripping on mushrooms. And the floor is checkered. So I'm just like walking like this, on, only on the black tiles. And like the walls start crawling and there's TVs everywhere. And one girl finds out that I'm tripping on mushrooms. So she like Wicked Witch of the West cackles in my face. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my God, I can't look away. You're terrifying me. She's like, that's what you get for doing mushrooms. I was like, I didn't know it was gonna happen. It just happened. And so I went outside to smoke a cigarette by myself, just completely terrified. And there's this like, glass wall, and you can see inside the bar, people playing pool. And so I remember, I look really cute. I see this one guy looking at me and like checking me out. I'm just like, oh fuck, he's gonna come outside. I don't know what to do, what's happening? So sure enough, he comes outside, and then as soon as he starts talking to me, I just go, ah, and I throw my cigarette at him, and like push him out of the way and run away. And I just go up to my friends, I was like, he was gonna fucking eat me. Like, he was gonna eat me, this is so scary. I don't, I don't know what's going on. But then I was laughing, I wasn't crying, because I, because I didn't know what was happening to me. So the moral of that story, uh, is do more drugs with your friends uh, so you can figure out your life. Also be a whore like my friend Liz. She literally got so much dick, it's like not even fair. <laughs> also remember, you will never see two fat girls as friends. Uh, and if you see them, they're frenemies because uh, we're really fucking competitive. <sighs> I literally hate every other fat girl. <laughs>
I'm like thinking about all the fat girls that I know. <laughs> and I hate them all. And it's really funny when one gets fatter and you're just like, ha 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 ha. Okay, anyway. Alright, thank you guys. <laughs> Holly Cuomo, everybody! Do not introduce her to your fat friends. That's funny, we have mutual fat friends, and I didn't realize that you guys hated each other. I had no idea. You're really good at hiding it. Um, uh, so, I just want to remind you guys, how much did you pay tonight to get in? Zero! Totally free! Um, if you have any extra dollars floating around in your wallet or pocket, we would greatly appreciate it. It really helps us keep the show going, promotion, etc. I have a little bucket outside if you want to drop a couple in. Are you guys ready for your last storyteller? Woo! Yeah! We have the special treat of the host of the open mic. Uh, every Wednesday at Mr. Tramp's called Party Weekend. Give it up for Mitch McCulsha. Alright. Thank you guys for being here. Uh, I have my frozen notebook. I'm going to set it down and we're going to get to work. <laughs> Can we do that? What a good show so far, right guys? Yeah. Yeah. Ruin it, Mitch. <laughs> right now, that's uh, that's what I do. Uh, I'm gonna try to weave some stuff together. It's probably not gonna make sense because I just chug like four beers. So let's uh, let's roll the dice. Uh, so I uh, have we ever met any of us guys? Uh, great. Well, I'm Mitch McColsha. Uh How are you guys doing? What, what's, what, what's your name? Jenna. Jenna. Nora. Jenna Nora. Nice to meet you guys. And Patrick. Patrick. You see, why? Okay. <laughs> Would just Pat. No, Gabe. Gabe. Would you give, Would you give me a fake name first? It never ends. I'm gonna circle back around. All right. And get the real names here in a second. Gabe. Uh, I'm not a mean comic, so. You know, how some comics are like uh, like they fuck with the crowd really bad. I don't. I don't do that. So. Some comics are like, hey, Gabe, where do you work? And before you can answer, I'm like, ah, shut up, you queer. And it's like, whoa, hey, man, like, you don't need to say that. Like, they're very rude. <laughs> uh, basically, every comic in San Antonio is what I'm talking about. <laughs> you want to burn someone in San Antonio, just trash the Spurs for even a minute. And they're like, fuck, get the fuck or Selena. <laughs> trash Selena. And <laughs> if you want San Antonio to flip, trash the Spurs or Selena or both of them. So, Gabe, I wasn't calling you that. I was just referring to yeah. you. You get what I'm saying. So, I uh, I need to make friends, Gabe. That's why I am I'm here. I'm not even a comic. I'm just trying to make friends with you guys because uh, I'm 35 now and it's tough to make friends at my age. Uh, this is this is story. I'm just gonna I'm just leaving this and stuff, right? It was, uh, I was in the Marines for five years, and it was way easier to make friends in the Marines, right? And you just walk up to a guy, and you're like, hey, man, you like hot chicks? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And you're like, what about beer? 
And he's like, mm, yeah. And I'm like, you're gay. And he's like, no, you are. And I'm like, come here. And we're like, oh, we're just making out and shit. That's basically how you do it. You just fall in love with somebody. It is a hoot. I joined the Marines when I was 19. Yeah, it was, actually I was 18, but I left when I was 19. It was right after 9-11, right? So I was going to join the Navy because that's way more practical than the Marines, right? You just go on a boat and just fuck around for five years. The Marines were like, oh, you're going to have to die first before you kill someone. I'm like, oh, no thanks, right? So uh, what happened was I went to sign up with the Navy, and we finished half the paperwork, and then 9-11 happened, so they'd take a few days off. So then we went back. So in that period of time, a Marine recruiter called my friend and I, was like, hey, come in, guys. I just want to talk to you guys for a minute. Oh. And, we're like, and we're like, okay. Like, what the fuck is wrong, right? We're 18-year-old kids, and we go in there. We walk into this Marine recruiter's office. Taking my, my Navy recruiter was probably like five, six, overweight, and had a pedophile mustache. Yeah. This Marine recruiter, it's 11, he brings us into the office 11 o'clock at night, and he's like gorgeous, right? He's cut, and there are women in the office and booze, and I'm like, whoa, what is this, you know? And he says to us, he goes, uh, he goes yeah, you could join the Navy, but let me ask you this. If you got on a bus tomorrow, and there was a terrorist on the bus, and he was gonna blow everything up. Do you know what you'd do? And we were like, no. And he goes, I do. And we're like, whoa, <laughs> wow! This guy knows me. Later I found out he was a fucking truck mechanic in the Marines. I don't know how he knew what to do in this scenario, but I was like, I'm all in, bro! So I joined the Marines. Uh, I, was an, I went to language school. I was an Arabic linguist. Uh, I studied Arabic for, uh, what, 18 months in California. Uh, very poorly. I was very bad at Arabic. Uh, I went to Iraq as an Arabic linguist. I always mix words up and shit. Wasn't very good at it. Uh, one time I mixed up pizza and airstrike. Oh. And go, whoops. Oh, I didn't really do that. <laughs> The one time, though, in Iraq, uh, I was taking a nap, right? Because I took way too many naps in Iraq. Because, you know, I, had, like, I would go out sunbathing for a while, get a tan, and then I'd be so tired, I had to go back and take a nap because, like, I trying to get my base tan all fucked, you know, I was shaving my chest and shit. I was, it was fun. So they wake me up from a nap, and they're like, hey, these guys are talking on the phone. It sounds serious. So we're, like, listening into them. And uh, these guys on the phone are talking about blowing up a base, like a fire truck, full of explosives. They're going to drive into a base, right? So I'm like, oh shit! I know like half the words. So I'm like, I think that's what they're saying. So I pass the message along to somebody else, right? And they light up that fire truck, kill everybody in there, open up the back, and it's loaded with bombs, right? And it's like, oh Mitch, you just stopped a base, like a small base, from getting blown up. And I was like, okay. And then I remembered, like, the recruiter, right? When he said, what would you do if you knew, like, a terrorist had bombs? And I'm like, shit, I know now. I'd tell someone else and let them fucking deal with it. <laughs> That's what he was getting at. That guy was smart, wasn't he? <sighs> I dated the sweetest girl when I was in the Marines. Uh, I met her right before I went uh, to Iraq, and she was, 
guys cheat on girls all the time in Iraq, like in Iraq. I'm not talking about people back home and women cheat on their husbands. Like, you know, it's, it's insane. Everybody's they're fucking porta potties and stuff. Like it's a wild like thing going on over there. But she was like a very nice mate. Is what is that word we're gonna use? A certain significant other. I'm not blaming women or men. I'm saying both are fucking. It was a mess over there. But so yeah. God damn it! Stop, guys. I'm trying to trying to be fair here. <laughs> um, but okay. So she was great to me the whole time I was over there. She sent me packages and stuff. And she actually she was a tenth uh, grade English teacher. And she had her kids write me, uh, me and my other buddy, like letters of support. I know that like it was like part of their school project. It wasn't her just being nice. It was like for a grade. Like that's how fucking shitty she was. <laughs> She's like grading them based on what they write me. And some kids would just like they'd write letters like, "Hey, I hope you don't die." And I'm like, "Cool, me too, man." <laughs> I got, I got at least two or three letters from like, okay, remember these are tenth grade students, right? Two or three letters from like fifteen year old tenth grade girls, like you might think I'm young, but you don't know me. <laughs> like, I'm like, whoa, okay. Pretty sweet. One kid sent me a, uh, a detailed uh, invasion battle plan to uh, invade Lebanon. And I'm like, we're not even at war with Lebanon yet, right? But his plan made more sense in Iraq. It was better strategically made, like Purdue. So, so uh, these letters, yeah, I'm, I'm getting them and stuff, and like we're reading them, laughing. Then when I get back from Iraq, uh, I go to like spend time with her and she's like why don't you come in and meet the kids and talk to them yeah I know right very sweet talking about Iraq and stuff tell them how you know answer some questions teach them about stuff so I go in and uh, remember these are like 15 year old kids so they don't know the whole you know spectrum of what's going on over there uh, so one of the first questions I ask these kids I go uh, who in here can tell me who Saddam Hussein was and it's just quiet in the room. Then finally one kid raises his hand and he said, that's the guy that flew the plane into the World Trade Center. Then another kid in the back of the room goes, fucking nerd. <laughs> like that's how, it's so like, and that just realized, I just realized in that moment, I'm like, this is like 20 years from now when our president is Steve-O. And they're like, we're getting bombed. They're like, where's the president? Oh, he's out back, stapling shit to his nutsack. <laughs> shit. Where's the Secretary of Defense? Dane Cook. Oh, he's in the laundry room shrinking his t-shirts again. He wears, wears way too tight of t-shirts, guys. I don't know if you know that. So uh, I broke up with her in 2011. I moved here. Uh, I've been trying to use Tinder. Tinder machine. It's like a turd machine, but for fucking, I feel like I don't really know how to talk to it. I, uh, it's tough. Like I, I, I've made the mistake of treating people on Tinder like people, and I think that is where I'm kind of getting a little fucked up with stuff. I, uh, if you ever find me on Tinder, stop asking me to get you cocaine. <laughs> One girl was like, if you get me and my friends all this cocaine, we will come to your show. That's like Trump art of the deal shit right there. Like, I almost fucking bit too because I was so desperate, but it's, it's scary, you know, because you don't know these people. So what I would do uh, when I was talking to them, I would eventually ask them uh, my version of uh, Rick Street questions from The Walking Dead. You guys ever watch that show? I'm like, how long you been on Tinder? How many guys you fucked? 
Why? <laughs> Just left them. <laughs> they don't want to talk to me anymore. Let me see. What I'm, I'm about to get out of here, guys. But uh, yeah. oh, I am dating someone right now, though. That's pretty cool. Uh, I I did something really fucked up. Like I didn't not like. I basically didn't clean the apartment again. She was all mad at me. Then I turned it on her. And then she felt bad and took me to the Cheesecake Factory. Aww. Right? And I got smashed at the Cheesecake Factory. Way too drunk. And she was like, how did you turn this on me? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like all sassy about it. <laughs> Whatever, you know. Uh, and then I'm like, oh, I got to pee. And I went to the bathroom. And I was in there for like maybe like 10 minutes. I was just like looking look in the mirror and being like, you're bad. Shit like that. Like, just like trying to psych myself up. And then I walk out, and I can't fucking find her anywhere. I'm walking through the restaurant over and over again, and I just don't see her at our table, and I'm like, what the fuck? And I start getting like all worked up, and I grab on the waitresses, and she's like, are you okay? I go, I can't find my girlfriend. <laughs> and she goes, well, where was she sitting, sweetie? I go, I don't know. Over there somewhere. It was like a little kid, like, can't find his mom. She's like, well, she took my hand. She's like, let's go find her. <laughs> I passed her like three times. She was fucking sitting there staring at me. Like a fucking asshole. What do I have, like a minute left? Or am I done? Okay. Uh, I'm happy to do stand-up again, guys. I took a year and a half off from stand-up to pursue my true calling in life, which is Oxycontin. I wanted to see how much Oxycontin I could take, and whoa, 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 did I take a lot. It was a, an adventure. You guys ever done the OC? Not Orange County, we're talking about the good stuff. Uh, yeah, it's, um, I am happy to be doing this again. I'll leave you guys on this. Uh, I like to end my shows often with a serious moment. Uh, I lost my best friend and who I consider the love of my life in Iraq 10 years ago. So would you guys mind pointing to heaven with me and say with me, we miss you, Saddam. <laughs> and I will see you in heaven, you mustache hunk. Sa'anjabiliyadullah Habibi. Sa'anjabiliyadullah. <laughs> guys, I'm Danny Palumbo. Thank you. Cuomo and Mitch Mikolsha. Don't forget to drop a few bucks in the back. Uh, come back every second Saturday. We love to see you. Thank you so much for coming out. I've been your host, Melody Shiflet. Next time it'll be me and Joey Zimmerman, of course. We'll see you next time. International.